Welcome to Not The Way I Planned. I'm Carly Cash, and if you've ever found yourself thinking, this is not the way I thought my life would turn out, you've come to the right place. Each week we'll have inspiring interviews, plus tips and tricks to living your best life, even if it's not the life you planned. My guest today is Nancy Gifford, and I think by the end of this episode, you will agree that she is one of the strongest people that you've ever encountered. But as those words are kind of coming out of my mouth, Nancy, I feel like I've met a lot of people that have had extraordinary trials. And every time I say, oh, you're so strong, they say, I'm just, I'm a normal person and life just kind of handed me these things. What are your thoughts on that? So the same with that. I mean, I, I've been dealt uh, different trials and I just have gotten to the point where I just kind of roll with the punches and just keep on, keep on going with everything that comes my way. So Mm -hmm. I mean, when people tell me I'm strong, I'm just like, well, I really don't have a, I don't have a choice, but to not be strong. Right. So yeah, it's kind of like be strong or, or give up. I mean, that's really all we can do, I guess. Right. Yeah. Going all the way back in your story to when you were growing up, what were some of your hopes and dreams in your life? What did you think life was going to look like as an adult? I mean, growing up, I was, you know, I was raised well. I was a good, I was a good student in high school. Uh, I went on to college. I was a competitive gymnast and Um, and I didn't end up competing in college. Um, things kind of went a different route. Um, I started dating somebody and I ended up, he ended up, we ended up getting married eventually, uh, had a couple of kids, my two boys, and then that didn't work out and we ended up divorcing. I mean, I had dreamed of, you know, the white picket fence, like everybody, um, you know, the good job, the good family and, and I kind of did things a little bit backwards, which didn't work out very well for me. And uh, ended up divorced, ended up raising my two boys by myself for several years. So, so how long were you a single mom? Um, so I would say from about 2004 until 2013. So most of the time, I mean, that's a huge chunk of of the time that you were raising your boys. It was raising both of them. I worked two jobs. I would, I worked my day job. And then as soon as I got off work from that job, I would, I would come home, make sure the kids were home from school and I'd turn around and I go and I wait tables until 11 o'clock at night, get up, go do it again the next day. This was five days a week with the regular job and then weekends with waitressing. Mm -hmm. That went on for several years. Did you have family support during that time or did did you live by family? I did. I, my parents were here and, uh, they, they helped a lot with the boys while I was gone at night and on the weekends. So definitely had the family support, but still, I mean, being a single mom is undoubtedly tough. And, and yet I would think that you and your boys probably have a pretty special bond. We do. We have a really good bond, but at the same time, as now that now they're older, mm-hmm. and I look back and I really miss, I really miss, um, I missed out on a lot with them. Just you know, the staying home, being stay at home mom, and going to all the fun activities with the kids. Where I was, 
I kind of had to pick and choose what I went to because I had to provide for them. Yeah. Yeah. It was circumstantial. I look back now. Yeah. It's kind of, it's kind of hard now to look back, but I mean, what do you do? Yeah. I think you, I mean, you, you have to deal with whatever cards are dealt your way and, and really the, the first and foremost thing that you have to do when being a parent is to provide for your kids. So that's putting a roof over their head and, and making sure they're fed and clothed and, and that just has to happen. So. Right. And I, I, I wasn't getting child support and I wasn't, I didn't ask for any of that. So I was, I was trying to do it all on my own. So there was no, there was nothing from that end coming in. Right. So, but it was kind of all we knew. So, you know, just so, from what I know of your story and I don't know the ins and outs of, of, the challenges that you've faced, but you, you ended up facing cancer at one point. Can you tell us a little bit about that? In 2005, my kids were, I had, my youngest was in kindergarten and I had got, I got diagnosed with stage two lymphoma. So that was in 2005 and I went through six months of chemo and then followed up by radiation and surgery. And this is this is a part of my life when I was, you know, doing the single mom thing. Mm-hmm. And so I was going through that, and that was that was just that was really tough. What um, were what were some of the emotions that you felt through all of that? There was a lot of at that at that that time that I got cancer because I've had it a few times. Right. <laughs> the first time I got cancer, it was. I was like, I don't want to do this. I, I can't. I would rather die. I just want to give up. Um, there was a lot of, there were definitely were suicidal thoughts. There sure. were, I, my mom and dad, they can raise the boys. Huh. Um, I, I mean, I, I didn't have a husband. I just, right. like, why is this, why is this all coming down on me? But I don't, I don't know. I made it through. I don't know how I did it that time. I, that, that time I had cancer. I don't know how I made it through. Um, so then I, I, I beat Beck, I beat the cancer that time and, and 10 years went by and I was like, oh, I'm in the clear. I got my checkups for the first five years. And then it was almost exactly 10 years to the day I got diagnosed again. It, with the same type of cancer? So, same type of cancer, but this time it was stage four. Wow. So this was, um, so I was, we were actually, we were in, uh, we were in Moab for the weekend. We were on vacation and, um, and I started to feel like there was a pain in my side mm-hmm. and I thought something is just not right. Something just, and it kind of, <clears throat> kind of came and went. And then, so I'd run and I finally got to the point where I couldn't run anymore. And I said, I've got to get to the doctor. So this was, um, this is, I'd remarried and I went to the doctor and uh, he said, well, we want to do a, a ultrasound on your ovaries because I had the pain in my side. So they did the ultrasound and, and then they wanted to end up doing a, a, cat, uh, a scan on me. And, and this was, we got, we, we came home from, this is about a week period of time between Moab and the kids were getting out of school and we had a family vacation planned. And, it was the day that we were supposed to get on the airplane and, and I was waiting for the phone call from the doctor to give me the, okay, like, you know, it's just a cyst, you're going to be fine. And he said, you know, 
he called and it was the actual doctor that called me and and I knew when he, it was him on the phone and not his assistant, I knew that it wasn't good news. Yeah, yeah. And he said, you know, there's quite a bit of cancer. Mm. Um, it was lit up. It was stage four. It was in all my lymph nodes, my organs, my liver, my stomach. My It was just spread from my neck to my hips. Wow. He said, you're not going on your trip. <clears throat> he goes, you need to get in and start chemo next week. So we canceled our plans. We were had a big, I mean, big family to Disney World. We had planned this for months. Oh. And we had canceled. We had canceled everything, the, the flights, the everything. And that following Monday, I, I went up to Huntsman here in Utah, and I, um, I checked in, and I did inpatient chemotherapy for, I was like, uh, one week in, two weeks out, but then it was a, it was like a, it ended up being a lot longer while I was in there because infections and this and that. I ended up doing that for a couple of months of being mm-hmm. patient up there. Mm-hmm. And your boys were, and, were teenagers at this point, right? Yeah. So this was in 2015. This was in 2015. I got the diagnosis and, um, so they, they said it was a relapse from the lymphoma the first time. Yeah. And I asked the doctor, I'm like, what are my chances in, of making it? Because I knew being stage four and through all my organs that it wasn't looking really good. So he's like, I can't, I don't want to give you that answer. I don't, I can't, you know, they, they can't really give you that. They can, but. But they probably you know, try they, to avoid it just to yeah. keep your spirits up and. Exactly. Yeah. Right. So he's like, what we're going to do is we're going to, we're going to, we're going to do the chemo and then we're going to take you down to no immune system and we're going to do a stem cell transplant. So I'm like, okay, um, let's do it then. So I started, I did all the chemo. Um, I mean, it was, it was hard. There was at one point in July of 15 that I, they called the family in because I got an infection in my port. And I was septic, and they didn't think I was going to make it. Wow. And uh, so after all that, um, they um, – so I, I, I got through the chemo, and, and I was going to go in and start pulling stem cells so I could do a transplant in August of – I'm getting emotional. I was supposed to do the transplant in August of 15. Uh-huh. August like 23rd and then then I had another tragedy in my life yeah so 2015 was needless to say a very rough year year. let's go back you mentioned in -hmm. our conversation that when you got the cancer diagnosis the second time you had remarried so you met a man named Randy Gifford yes the most wonderful man ever so let me back up to this. So I had not really dated at all. I just didn't have the time and I just didn't have really good experiences. And I just, I just hadn't dated. So it was in 2012. I'm like, maybe I'll try dating this, you know, this, this time, it's time I go, my boys are getting older. They need a, you know, father figure. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I'm like, oh, I guess I'll go online. 
like the worst place I wanted to even think of going. But things had kind of like, you know, really evolved in the dating world while while you were single, because when you first became single in 2004, that online world didn't really exist much. And then here we are in 2012. It looks totally different, which I, I too think is so intimidating because when I was first originally dating, it was like you met people at at work or out with friends. It wasn't this, you know, online thing. It's weird. Yeah. So, and I mean, I went on a couple dates and then I, I, um, and I love baseball. Mm -hmm. And so on the, on the search bar, you could put in, your interests or something. And I, and I typed in baseball and this, this guy came up and he looked, he looked handsome. And I'm like, he's really cute. Yeah. It can't be like a real profile. And, uh, and so we kind of started chatting a little bit and like a week or two went by and he's like, Oh, well I'm up, I'm in Seattle. And I'm like, Oh, great. Go figure this this guy (laughs) that I like. He's not even in, he's not even in Utah. There's not even in my state. Yeah. Yeah. He's not in my state. And yeah, I'm like, I don't do long distance. This is just, oh, you know, back to square one. So he's like, no, no, I work. He goes, I work for this company and uh, I'm getting transferred to Salt Lake uh, after the first of the year. So this was December. Wow. And I'm like, oh, perfect. Well, this, this might work out. So he's like, I'm going to, he was, he was headed on a trip to Australia for his work for uh, like two weeks. And he's like, I'm going to give you a call when I get back in the States. Like, okay, yeah, we'll see. You know, we'll see if he remembers me. Not getting your hopes so up sure too enough, much. It, Yeah, exactly. So, and, and I kind of, in my heart, was like, oh, he's really cute, and things are kind of going good, and I've never met him, though. What if he's weird? And so sure enough, like, the first week of January, he calls me. He's like, hey, I, I'm in San Francisco. I'm landing back, and I'm, I'm going to be in Seattle tonight, and then I'm flying to Utah tomorrow. And he's like, do you want to grab dinner? I'm like, oh. My gosh, perfect. Of course. Of course I want to grab dinner. Yeah. So we met at Cheesecake Factory. He walks in and I was like, oh, just instantly. I'm like this. I'm going to marry this man. <laughs> and we sat there for uh, till they closed and we talked and we talked and we talked. And uh, that was on January 7th. And he asked my dad is like, oh, school. He went and asked my dad if he could marry his daughter uh, like two weeks later. Oh my goodness. So fast. Yeah. So fast. And so we're like, I'm like, this is, this is great. And he's like, let's just, let's just go to Vegas and get married. (laughs) And what did your boys think of all of this? They loved him. Absolutely loved him. So I'm like, well, we have to think about this. I'm like, well, you're not even transferred here all the way yet. And you know, you're going to be back and forth between Seattle and Utah and Let's just wait. Let's just wait until you get transferred here and then we'll get married. Mm-hmm. So we end up getting married. It, the transfer went through in uh, May. Then we got married June 7th of 2013. It was the best. It was the best. It was, it was, it was, it was amazing. It seemed like you're, you're happily ever after, after all of the trials that you'd yes. face being a single mom, battling cancer. And now it's like, oh. You finally have this wonderful man in your life for you and yeah. a, a father figure for your boys. Like life couldn't be better. Yeah. So my life was life was great, and um, and and I had the financial stability that that I you know yeah. I ended up quitting the waitressing job. He was an engineer, um, and it was life was good. So 
So life was good from about 2013 till 2015 when you got the cancer diagnosis, right? Correct. Yeah. Okay. And then life really turned upside down. Life turned crazy. August 6th, we went up to Huntsman and we were there uh, pretty late. We were, we were doing pulling, we were getting ready to pull stem cells. So that was the time I was up there. I was doing a bone, let's see, I was doing a blood transfusion and a platelet transfusion. It was terrible. And I was having all kinds of reactions to the platelets and my eyelids were swelling and I was just not doing well. And Randy was with me and we were up there and we came home and then the doctor said, you need to come back tomorrow for another blood transfusion. And it was on a Friday and, and Randy had a really important work meeting and I'm like, no worries. My dad will take me. You go to your work meeting and it'll be fine. So, so that morning, um, I had to be up there really early. And so I got up, I got ready and I, I don't even remember the morning really. I went up to Huntsman. I get the, I got my transfusion done, and then it was about nine o'clock in the morning. Uh, we were walking out of the out of the hospital, and Randy called, and he's like, "Hey, how'd everything go?" And I'm like, "It it wasn't good. I'm just on my way home, and I'm you know I was always tired, so I'm like I was gonna take a nap." And he goes, yeah. "Okay, um, I have a meeting, and then I'm gonna be home after the meeting." I'm like, "Okay." He's like, "Hey, my." my chest hurts a little bit. And I'm like, well, is it from, from the going to the gym yesterday or, you know, what, what do you think it is? And he goes, yeah, it's gotta be just from working out um, or something. And I'm like, okay, we'll keep an eye on it. And, and so, he had not complained yeah. about chest pains before or anything like that. Never, never. He was healthy, worked out. We ran, he coached baseball. It's just like, you just very last thing on my mind. Yeah. Would be anything about that. Um, so I went home, my dad dropped me off, I fell asleep, I took a nap, I woke up and it was about 12.30 and I called him, I'm like, hey, or I texted him, I'm like, hey, I'm awake, give me a call when you're out of your meeting. And, you know, usually he's, he's so quick to respond. And, um, and then so like half hour goes by and I'm like, hey, just give me a call and, and I called and he didn't answer. And then I kind of started to think, okay, something's not right. Yeah. And so about three o'clock, I called his coworker and I'm like, hey, have you seen Randy? He goes, I saw him. I haven't seen him since the meeting. And he left after the meeting at noon to go home. I'm like, oh. well, he's, he never made it home. And he's like, well, maybe he had to go. I said, no, I said, there's no, it's, He's not home. Something is wrong. Yeah, he's not answering. So I, he's not home. Something is wrong. Right. And I am, I'm so, I mean, I was on so much, you know, chemotherapy and pain medicine. And I, my mind started racing of just thinking the worst of, you know, he doesn't love me and what, you know, I just. Okay. So that's where your brain went. Like first. maybe he just wants to escape yeah. this whole medical yeah trauma that I'm going through. Yeah, Maybe it's too much for him and he doesn't. Yeah. I just, I started thinking all kinds of weird thoughts. Yeah. So I called the hospital. I called another hospital and then I called my dad and I said, I said, I can't find Randy. He's like, what do you mean? You can't find Randy. I said, he's not home. 
and my and my one son had just left for work and I said he's like you're I said I was having a breakdown I'm like he doesn't love me he's like no he's probably just somewhere whatever and so he went to work and then my dad said I'm gonna come I'm gonna go to his work and see if he's if he's if his truck's there and I thought okay and then my younger my youngest son he's like grandpa come pick me up and I'll go with you and so my son was 15 at the time. Mm-hmm. So my dad came and got him. And um, so then I'm on the phone with him. And so he just worked 10 minutes down the road. My my youngest is on the phone with me. He's like, they're pull, as, as he's pulling into the parking lot of the work. And he's like, hey, yeah, mom, he's here. His truck's here. And I'm like thinking, okay, something's wrong. And so you knew in that uh, moment, like he wasn't just inside yeah. working. That didn't give you yeah. any yeah. relief. He goes up to the truck. He's like, yeah, mom, his truck's here. And then he goes and I could hear him getting out of the, my dad's car and going up to the truck. And then he, all of a sudden he just, he's like, oh my gosh, mom, he's purple. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. And the phone drops. And, and, <sighs> and instantly I just, lose it. I yeah. lose it. And I, I, I remember I was in my hallway and I just dropped to the floor and I started screaming and crying. And then my dad called and he's like, I'm sorry, he's gone. He's gone. Oh. Like, what do you mean he's gone? How can he be gone? And right. he's like, he must've had a heart attack. And he, he'd been in his truck for about three hours and nobody knew he was even in there. And oh. he'd had a massive heart attack and oh died instantly. So, um, so, so I mean, I your world just, so just in an instant, your world has just been instant. flipped completely upside down. Upside down. And I'm here by myself going, I, I just freaking out. Just. Oh yeah. Just it's like, mess. this is not real life. There's no way. Exactly. And, um, so my dad left my son there, um, at his work and the police came and since he passed away by himself, they treated it as a homicide or as a, as a, you know, they didn't know it was like a like suspicious a death or something suspicious, they had to investigate right, because yeah, exactly. So I couldn't, I couldn't, I couldn't even see him, but then I have a friend who, uh, her brother works for the police department and he came down and helped and, um, they ended up, it was, yeah, he, he said, I didn't want to see him cause he'd been there. It was in August and it, he'd been out there for about three hours. So, um, not a good, not a good, Scene. um, yeah. Not a good scene. Yeah. So, so with pulling stem cells, they said I had to be there every day to do this process. And I'm like, but my, my husband died. Uh, I ended up going the next day back up to Huntsman and just to tell all the nurses. And when you go up to Huntsman, everybody becomes family mm-hmm. um, with the nurses. And they're like, well, where's Randy at today? And I said, oh. he died last night. And they're like, what do you mean? What, what, I mean, just, just, it was so unreal. He had just been there. He to, was seemingly healthy. Like yeah. you're the one with yeah. the, so with like, the health took your pick, risk. Yeah. 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 Well, that's what that thing is. My, um, my, my dad had called my sister and he was crying and my sister's like, Oh my gosh, did she die? Oh my gosh. Don't tell me that she died. And he's like, no, Randy died. She's like, what do you mean Randy died? And it was like, it was just, it was unreal. This is a story that is just, 
there's there's so much to it that it's just crazy. Yeah, and it's <laughs> it just, just didn't happen. I feel like you must have just felt like you were in this alternate universe. Like this doesn't how 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 in the world after everything that you've been through, yeah, this happens. It's just like the like the worst nightmare ever. Yeah. I remember hearing like about it and thinking, because we were, you know, we lived in the same area at the time. And I remember hearing it and just thinking that that just can't, that cannot be right. Because what? like, I mean, I would think like, why would God give someone that many trials? Like, that's just unbelievable. I don't know where your brain went with that, but did yeah. you feel that way at all? Like, God, why, why so, are you doing this? It It's kind of not funny, but it's kind of, I thought, okay, well, I'm really sick anyways, so I'm not going to live. I'm not okay. expected to make it through this cancer. So I thought, you know what? My first thought was, it's okay. This is bad, but I'm going to be with him really, really soon. Yeah. Golly, I never thought about I your thought, brain going to that place, but I can see how yeah, it would. That, that's exactly where it went was, well, I'm dying too, so. I'm going <laughs> to be with this person I that I love again. Yeah. Yeah. But and, then um, then your thoughts had to turn to your boys, right? Yeah. Then it was like everybody, everybody had to, I had to use the support around me because I was, I mean, I was just losing my mind and like, you need to stay strong for the boys and you need to, you need to, st I stopped eating and I stopped mm. taking, well, I was already sick, but it's just like, I didn't want to live I thought, oh, I've got a good family system. They can raise the kids. And I just, I'm too weak to do this. I just can't, I can't go on. Yeah. And I want, I literally, I wanted to die. I just, at that point, I didn't even care. I just wanted to die. Didn't matter. Mm -mm. Um, wow. And then I ended up not doing the transplant because I would have had to have been inpatient for a month for like 20 something days. Mm -hmm. So I ended up not going through with that and I ended up going. So it was the day of his funeral. I told them that I wasn't doing, they gave, I went in for one last scan before the transplant. And then that's when I decided that I wasn't going to do it because I just couldn't. And was that so against medical, was that against medical advice to not yeah, do it? Okay. It was, it was. So they still have my stem cells up at Huntsman in case it comes back again, that they could, they could do, they could do the transplant. Okay. They harvested my stem cells. Um, and so I went in for a scan the day after his funeral and, um, there was no sign of the cancer. What? <laughs> I was cancer free. The, the doctor was in such disbelief. I, I'm like, and I was so oh, wow. angry. You were, wow. So and your angry. reaction was anger. Wow. Yeah. yeah. I mean, the I doctor was like, yeah, it's like, I've never had a patient be angry and cry to get a cancer free diagnosis. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, I just lost my whole world. Yeah. And now you're telling me I'm going to live. Mm -hmm. So I just, I, I accepted it. I mean, what do you, I was grieving. I didn't, I, so many different stages of grief. Oh, I'm sure. Um, so it took a while for that to sink in. But what do you do? Yeah. <laughs> I you, you have to just, I mean, I guess it's like we said before, it's like, okay, 
you've got this second chance at life, whether you want it or not. And you've either got to fight through all that tough stuff or you just give up. I mean, those are your two options and you, you ended up fighting. So what are some of the phases of grief that you kind of remember going through or working through that grief process? What did that look like for you? So, um, definitely it was anger at first. I was angry. I was just like, how can this happen to me? I've waited all these years to find somebody and then he's taken from me. Um, just sad. Um, there was just a lot of anger. It was a lot of anger. I still have some anger, but just sadness. And then, but now, I mean, I can look back on it and I laugh at the good times we had because we had, a we did a lot in two years. Mm-hmm. Um, well, and I always think, and now this is coming from someone I've, I've never lost someone really close to me. I mean, I lost a, a, mm-hmm. a father-in-law and I've lost some grandparents, but not someone that was part of my everyday life like that. And yet yeah. I always try to tell myself, I would, I don't know. Did you think like, Hey, I'd rather that we had those years than to have not had him at all. Absolutely. Because he changed my life so much in the short time we had together that I'm a completely different person than what I was before I even met him. Yeah. And my boys are, um, they had the two years with him. He ended up adopting the boys. (laughs) I remember that. Yeah. His last, Yep, they took his name. My oldest son took his middle name as well, so he changed his name completely. Um, I mean, the the adoption went through, and the adoption went through after he passed away. Re- oh, wow. Already, he, yeah. So he had already, since we started the adoption process back at the beginning of um, 15, uh, the adoption process was actually finalized a month after his death. So, crazy, crazy. It, yeah, that was really cool. Um, it, so, I mean, yeah, oh, yeah, absolutely. I'm so glad that he was a part of my life. I am I am, I'm a lot stronger than I think I am. I don't know. You, oh, you undoubtedly are. Whether you, I mean, you didn't, you didn't choose any of the things that came your way, but there is no doubt that it has... <laughs> made you a super strong person. I know that one thing yeah. that you kind of turned to, I, I think to work through some of your grief was running. Is that right? Yes, I did. Yeah. So, I mean, I always have been a little, I mean, I've always been athletic and loved, you know, working out, but I hadn't ran for years. I mean, for years. And so when we, when we got married, we started running like just here and there, a little, you know, a mile here, a mile there. So after he passed away, I, uh, I picked up running. I started going to the gym and I would just start with one mile. And then I signed up for a 5k, mm-hmm. which turned into me signing up for a 10k, which turned into signing up for a half marathon, <laughs> which that turned into, I'm like, well, if I can do a half marathon, I can do a marathon. Yeah. So I ended up doing seven marathons in two years. Wow. Wow. <laughs> Pretty so, incredible. Yeah, and it it was amazing. And I still run. I love it. It's just, that's my, that's my go-to is running. So, so whenever mm-hmm. you kind of go back to, I mean, I feel like grief, especially when it's, 
you know, grief over someone that you love like that. I don't know if it ever completely goes away. I would think it sneaks up on you sometimes. It does. The holidays are really hard. Um, Not, not because it's, uh, it's not because, oh, it's Christmas. It's just, it's um, being alone. Yeah. It's just the being alone part. Yeah. I mean, so over this whole time period of getting cancer the first time and then losing Randy, I mean, I also lost my mom in the middle. I lost my dad in the no, middle. No. So I, I lost my, yeah, I lost oh. my mom in 2010. And then I lost my dad last year. And my dad lived with me and I was his caregiver. Unbelievable. So, and I your boys are, they're both grown now, right? Yeah, they're both there in college and they're doing, they're doing really good. Yeah. Um, that's good to hear. So yeah. you turned to running. Okay. Anything else that you've kind of found as you've navigated through all of this? You know, running and I, I, I do boxing. I know that sounds weird, but I do no. boxing. Boxing, I like to hit things. Boxing's great. Uh, boxing is fun. You know, and I, I don't know. I mean, it, it, I go through phases. I come, it comes and goes. Where do you feel like you're at with things today? I mean, do you see yourself getting into another relationship or what, what do you think? You know, I, I, so it was about two years before I even thought about dating again. And Mm -hmm. then I, I went out on a few dates and then it just was weird and then I absolutely would love to be in a relationship again. Yeah. So I'm I'm finally at that point now that I'm ready to I'm ready to you know, my kids are grown. Yeah. And I don't I'm I'm at this next chapter in my life where I'm ready to move. I'm ready to sell my house. I'm ready to just move on to that next chapter and just start just start a whole whole new life. Yeah. Not, I mean, and really, what what other choice do you have? You know, you just you have to keep right. moving forward in this crazy world. And sometimes you do just have to say, you know what? I I mean, I think that one lesson that can be learned through your journey, I, I think that when you found love with Randy, like it shows that it's it's out there, it's possible and life can look good again, you know, and my hope for you is that you, you find that and that it, that it's lasting, you know, I, I can't make any sense of why that happened. I'm sure you can't make any sense of why that happened, but I try to figure it out. I really do. And then it just, it's, I think too hard. And then I just don't even, I just let it go. And I just get up and go on with each day. Yeah. I think some (laughs) of those things that don't make sense in life, Um, Mm -hmm. when I've come across those things, I always try to at least tell myself, I don't know why it makes me feel better, but I try and tell myself like you're seeing things through a pinhole. Like we just don't know the big picture. I I don't know. I just feel that in my gut. Like we just don't know the big picture and I I don't know. I mean, I, I can't, I can't (laughs) imagine how this makes sense, but maybe someday like there will be some clarity. You know what I mean? I don't know. I don't know. I just think, I hope so. I just think that you are, I just, I don't know. I want you to know that you are just incredible and you have inspired so many people. I know that, you know, I've, what, as I've gone through tough things, I've thought of you many times and thought, you know what, if Nancy can go through 
all of the garbage that she has gone through. Like I can get out of bed and face the day. And I just hope that you. Thank you so much. (laughs) I think that you've done that for a lot of people. And I'm really sorry that you just had to go through everything that you've gone through. And I just hope that you find nothing but happiness because you sure deserve it. Oh, thank you. Yeah, I, uh, you know, I'm, I I just feel like, you know, anybody would be able to do it if they had to, I guess. I mean, I just yeah. keep on going. So, yeah. and it, 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 it's hard. I don't know sometimes how to respond to people when, I mean, they'll be like, oh, you just, you, I can't believe you've done it. I'm like, well, if you had to do it, you would do the same too. Right. Right. And, and I'm, I'm in this group of, there's a, now that I'm a widow, I am really surprised how many widows there really are. And I come across people and, and everybody's got a story Mm -hmm. and it's like, wow, wow, that happened to you. And it's like, oh my gosh. And then we'll sit back and they're like, wow, that happened to you. Mm-hmm. Like, holy cow. I know. I think that's one of the crazy. kind of beauties, I guess, within trials is connecting with other people and having the, that trial open our eyes to how big different problems are out there. You know, I mean, you would never know how many people Mm-mm. have gone through that had you not yeah. gone through that yourself. And luckily you exactly. can kind of be a strength for one another, you know? It, yep, exactly. And that's what it is, is there's just, this, you know, the group of the widows, we build each other up, but you know, you, you kind of, yeah, it's like, we need the support from each other. So I guess that's why I, I, I find there's more out there, but they've probably been there the whole time. I just haven't been a widow to realize that. Right. So, yeah. Until now. But Exactly. Well, uh, what, what is the one thing you would say to someone that I guess faces any kind of sudden diagnosis or tragedy and their life just kind of flips upside down. What would, what would be the one thing you would say to Mm -hmm. someone? That it does get better and take it one minute at a time, not one, one day at a time, one day, because days are so long. It's too much. Yep. it, It is. You have to just literally one minute at a time and don't think about what am I going to do next week or just live in that moment right. and worry about yourself for that moment and take time for yourself. You have to take time for yourself, but, but things do definitely get better. And the grieving, I mean, you're still going to have sad days, but the grieving, it does, it does get better. It does. You do heal. It's a process, but you definitely heal. I would say six months down the road from the time it happened. Uh, that's when I think I saw a turning point. Mm-hmm. And then at a year, I really started to feel better. But that first six months is very hard. Definitely, yeah. it's definitely a trial. But no, things get better. Things definitely get better. And just get up and, you know, just get up each day and smile and just try to start with the positive, just something, even just small. Yeah. And then uh, you can't, you can't surround yourself with negative or you, you've got to, you've got to get out and you've got to keep, you know, building yourself up because it, it, it'll, it'll pull you down. If you let that grief get you, it will keep you down. So you definitely have to, 
you have to get up each day. Yeah. Yeah. Even if that's all you do that day, get up, get out of bed, take a shower. Get up, get up, go get some fresh air and just, you know, and and reach out for help. If you know, I definitely, I definitely use my support group. Yeah. Um, Well, thank you so much for being willing to share your story, Nancy. And uh, again, I just hope for nothing but the very best in your life. You certainly deserve Uh, it. You're you're very welcome. Thank you for having me. Thank you for joining this edition of Not The Way I Planned. If you liked what you heard, you can find more at notthewayiplanned.com as well as Not The Way I Planned on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube.